What's up, everybody? Before we jump into this week's episode of Sunday Night Teacher Talk, I wanted to let you know that on February 29th, we are doing a training about st around student engagement. And I am going at student engagement in a different way than I've ever done before because I want you to realize that the biggest issue for teachers right now is classroom management. And so how can we use student engagement to not just make class fun, right? We're not just talking about jumping off desks and making it the most circus-like uh, room transformation situation ever, but how can we engage students in a way that's going to take your top tier performers, your slightly more reluctant kids, and the kids that do not care about school, kids that might hate class, might hate you. How do we help them to get engaged and become an active participant in their own learning? And I have a, this whole training is designed around that. It's priced starting at only $39. So we try to really price it for teachers. And that's it. February 29th, it's happening. You can sign up in the link that's going to be in the description of this episode, no matter where you're listening to it. Uh, and that's it, gang. Here, enjoy the rest of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Peace. There it is, just in time. Um, whew, behind the scenes. Everybody, first of all, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm um, glad that you could be here. And uh, Super Bowl is not, we're living, we live in mountain time now. So I love that the Super Bowl is on at 4.30 today. So I like know, it's so much better. It's just Always like too tired. It's so late, it feels like when it starts uh back in Philly. So like um and look, Philly didn't make didn't make the uh Super Bowl this year. We actually I don't even know what happened. Yeah, we were doing so well and then we weren't doing so well. We'll talk about that. But uh we wrap our team winning or losing in life. That's how we roll. So we are thrilled that you could be here. Um, I know there's already questions in the chat. If you've not been here before, if you're new, right? If you're not new, um, you know, if you know someone that needs help, right? Like I, there, there's a weird thing. Someone said to me one time on, on YouTube um, where they didn't like telling people like about oh, my channel because they yes. didn't want people to know where they got their ideas from. <laughs> and I, there's a part of me. I feel that there's like certain business things I like hold close to the chest because I don't want everyone knowing. But in the spirit of really helping folks and, and especially folks that are struggling this year, um, consider sending it along to someone, letting them know that there is a place for people like them. Uh, and it, if it so inspires you, because I also know that there's like folks that are in the Facebook group that are like, I don't want other people from my school in there because I'm talking about them. So if you yeah, but the good thing about that is you used to have to like I used to have to like click a button to approve anonymous posts, and now you can just post anonymous anonymous anonymously blah, 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 blah. teamwork baby <laughs> yes um and I think that that can help that kind of scenario yeah yeah so uh yeah just don't use their name anyway if you've not been here before all you gotta do is post a question in the chat you can put Q or question and we're down to talk about just about anything so. We're going to jump in from there. And uh, yeah. You ready to start? I am. Let's okay. hit it. Uh, first, I just want to mention that uh, Maisha had a comment on here. She said, congrats for making over 700 videos on YouTube. Yo. And we don't really celebrate things like that, like anything, subscriber growth or how many no. videos. But 700 is pretty crazy. I think that I made... 700 videos right and it's like one of those things like i, I don't even never. know what the normal is i don't even know what the average number of videos i don't know how many videos like some of the biggest youtubers have i just know that i created we created 
700 pieces of content it's crazy and put them on youtube and yeah it so i i sneak peek the first question i think that that's part of my answer for that but oh, okay um, so but thank you for the for the congrats it, it is really it feels it feels awesome like i yeah it just feels incredible Ooh, should we do something for a thousand when we get to a thousand videos? I mean, dude, that's not even that far off, dude. It's not. The amount of content we put out right now, including shorts and a live, we put out five pieces of content a week, right? In a seven-day period, we put out five pieces of content. And so um, that's enormous. So it's like 300, yeah. not, not, not far, far off. off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Professor Zest is up first asking, your background slash studio is looking great. Thank you. Uh, question, how do you teach that it factor? I know it can be learned, but how do you teach presence in the classroom? Does it take time or is there a shortcut? I, th I, I think it's both, right? But I think what's the shortcut? It is similar to making 700 YouTube videos, right? Um, it took me eight years to make 700 YouTube videos. At the rate at which I'm putting videos out now, it would have taken me way less. I'm going to say half the time, right? So how do you teach that it factor i think it's it's experience and so there i mean look there's something to the ten thousand hour rule i just think that you can expedite that to become um to become like if you were to be in the top five percent of teachers i was reading something about this the other day to be in the top five percent right is it's not that hard it's really like it's and I don't want to minimize anyone that is in that sort of upper echelon of, of educator. It's not that hard. I think that those folks try a lot more and they try really often. So I was listening to a stat popped up in a podcast I was listening to today that said um, Pete Rose used to be on Philadelphia Phillies baseball player had in his life. He has the most hits of any baseball player ever, right? He had fourth, I'm looking at it on my board now, 4,256 hits, right? And more than Babe Ruth, more than Hank Aaron, more than Ty Cobb, all the, all the greats, right? But he had at bats, right? So he had over 4,000 hits. He had 14,000 at bats. So the question, the conversation in the podcast was, was Pete Rose really the greatest because he had over 2,000 hits more than everyone else. So how did he win? He had more at-bats than everyone else. He had over, or that's what I meant to say, over 2,000 more at-bats than most other players. So with that, how do you teach the it factor? You got you to gotta feel that intuition. You got to get in tune with the kind of teacher that you were called to be that like, what is your giftedness? What are you good at? Like, don't try and be funny if you're not funny. Don't try and be super serious and, and a hard ass if you're not a hard ass. Um, there's a little bit of that you have to learn. If But figuring out how you do what you do best and then pouring gasoline on that fire and doing it again and again and again. And when things don't work, part of the conversation I was listening to today was, People remember the win. If you have, if your wins are that many, they just remember the wins more than the losses. And one of the things they talked about was nobody remembers the Amazon phone, but the Amazon phone was a two hundred million dollar failure. And so, but but the, people don't think about that right now. It, so, 
what can you do that is going to pour gasoline on your giftedness and then keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it, not for success, but to see like, where do I land? Where did this hit? How did this go? Um, how can I pivot from this? How can I shift this? How can I make this a little bit better next time? How can I um, like, so in the hospitality industry, they call it like plusing this experience or in retail, they call it plusing. How do I plus this? How do I make it a little bit better each time? And then just keep trying stuff. And that's going to do two things. It's going to get you better faster and it's going to get you used to failing. Uh, and to be honest, um, that really just ties into, can I talk about that? Oh, yeah, um, so we have uh, another workshop coming out February 29th, and this is on student engagement, but I'm going, a, I'm going different than I've talked about student engagement before. I'm going to touch on some of that stuff, but what I want to talk about is how do you, one, take what your students are interested in, uh, find out who, what that is, connect that to your classroom your curriculum, um, and teach through a lens that they care about, but also how do we take kids that have zero interest in school that hate school? They might hate you. They might just come to class, put their head down. They don't come to school. It's all the thing you, you know, everyone has one of these kids, right? How do we not just teach everyone in class or the majority, but how are we reaching the hardest to reach kids? And I have ways I've done that over the years that I they just, they work every, like damn near every time, right? Unless a kid, there's a couple of outliers and that might be because there's some other things at play there that are, so if you're dealing with a student that has been through a significant level of abuse, of molestation, of uh, like some serious, serious poverty, uh, you how I teach my class isn't, isn't necessarily going to break through in, in a quick way. Um, there's a lot of other factors that need to be incorporated there, like therapy, um, getting special guidance, getting like getting the whole team on board. But by and large, uh, what I'm going to teach in this, in this, I'm, I am incredibly excited about, cause it is going to be like, here's all this stuff. I'm going to cram it in this 45 probably hour, maybe a little bit more long course. And then, <laughs> teach it to people so you can reach all those students. And I'm going to teach you how to fast track that, that sort of thing too. All right. Um, Taylor's up next. Like, that was a great question. Man. Yeah. Taylor's up next asking, um, going on my first ever field trip to an aquarium this week, any tips for keeping everything organized and put together? I have five chaperones joining. So Taylor, I think it is, um, Hmm. I'm trying to gather all the thoughts. I think trips are incredibly fun. It is an, a learning experience unlike anything else, right? Like giving kids access is unlike anything. That That is oftentimes what is the big differentiator between like kids that are at like really affluent schools and kids that are at schools with no money and they just don't have access. So it's keeping that in mind how important this is. The other thing is, I think dividing students up evenly, I don't think is always the deal, right? I always had smaller groups, but I took all the kids that everyone else was like, oh my, oh, they're going, they're on the trip. 
I'm like, y'all take them. But I'm only taking like 10 dudes tops, if that, or eight or four or whatever it is, depending on how difficult those students were. Um, and then I love that because then I just, it just, it was awesome. Um, but if you have like really, really well-behaved students, for a teacher to have more than I do, it's not, it's not about like even numbers. It's also having very clear expectations for the day. So is there an assignment connected to this? I find that assignments in the moment can be useful, but you don't want them to take away from the trip. It's not about making it really difficult because some kids, it's like the experience is enough. You're, you're trying to listen to a speaker or you get pulled into a small room. And so like at the aquarium, you might get pulled into a small room to talk about sharks or fish or feeding habits or something like that. And so it's that sort of thing that is really important as well. You got to remember some of your students, the overwhelming, especially when field trips are at an aquarium, it's all inside. How loud is it? How much uh, overwhelm could be involved here too? And then really looking at kids and seeing who might need a step outside, who might need a quiet break, who might need um, earplugs or something like that, right? So it's being mindful of that. It's also being mindful of, <clears throat> depending, excuse me, <clears throat> depending on how much, uh, how many students you have are, does everyone have like a decent lunch? So I always like had extra cash on me. Cause I'll tell you, I had a student named cheesesteak and this, his name, nickname is so dumb where it came from, but we went on a class trip. Cheesesteak didn't bring money, didn't bring a lunch. And I ordered a cheesesteak and then I gave him half of it. And I was just hungry for the rest of the day. And for the rest of the year, I just referred to him. I was like, yo, cheesesteak. And he was like, oh man, He's a grown man now, and I still call him cheesesteak, but it is just coming pre prepared for that sort of stuff. Do you have a first aid kit? Um, does everyone that needs to have, like, do all teachers have numbers and stuff like that? It's just those little things. But look, and those are all logistical, but I think it goes back to really have fun. Take moments. Take pictures. Even if it's hectic, even if it feels overwhelming. I love sitting with students on the bus. I like sitting in the back with kids and, like, chop it up and sing songs and carry on and stuff like that. I try and make the kid, let the kids know that like, I'm looking forward to this. And did you know this and this and this, I'm giving them tours as we're driving through the city and stuff like that. So just have a great time with it as well. And take a lot of pictures that you forget to do that in the moment. And you'll always be glad that you have them uh, later. And it's a good thing to send an email to parents and say, Hey, here's a bunch of pictures from today's trip. Cause your kid probably only took selfies of themselves in the bathroom. Um, and then they have that as well. Good work. I feel like not enough people take class trips. And I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons for that. But uh I think the yeah. aquarium one is a hard <clears throat> one. I went on yeah. the aquarium trip for was it Marley? Brody. Brody. No, for Brody. Oh, in... you had that kid that kept yes. barking like a so dog. The whole this time? is what I was gonna say. I think I got all the like my kid was the ADHD kid in class, right? And so the teacher, I guess knew I could handle it, sensed that I could handle you're it. you're wearing a hoodie that says Philly versus all these. <laughs> so she, the teacher like put all, I think I had two really good calm girls and I had three um, all very hyperactive boys, including my own. And I had five in my crew and I think every other parent had four. And I was like, holy smokes. My day was just yep. madness. I had a boy that barked like a dog. <clears throat> he wouldn't talk. So like, I just 
clayed into it and I like barked at a dog like a dog back to him and we just had tons of fun. I matched their energy and ran around and I was really thankful that the two girls like stayed with us. Like they were just good listeners and while I yeah. kind of like tried to wrangle three crazy boys, but so as a teacher I would think like try and know if you know a bit about your chaperones like maybe who can handle what kids or like trying to match some kids yeah. to like parent chaperones. If you know anything about the parents, um, cause man, the aquarium can be tough cause it's so dark too. So you feel like you're like losing kids all the time. I've, yeah, I needed a nap when I came home from that one, but that kind of matches what John Lopez said in the comments that you are so exhausted cause you're just like trying not to lose you're people on. the whole time. You were yeah. on. And I felt like that day. too, even just as a parent chaperone, I was like, ah, it was bad. But, no, but, but it going was so and fun. knowing that, knowing that yes. makes it so much more fun. And it makes you more confident that you could do this again. Because I took I took more class trips than anybody like in the history of my school. And uh and I think I got so good at it because it was just like you just do it a lot. Right. I hate that right. they rotated like parent <clears throat> chaperones. I'm like, no, but I want to go to all of them because I was yeah. I could. Um, but they had to give other. Parents I like when too. I would just show up. So I'm like, oh, you guys that. are on a class trip. I'm <laughs> taking a half that. day. I'll be there. <laughs> okay, uh, Ruth Akers is up next, and she says, "When is the next classroom management oh, uh, class?" That's a great question. I hate to miss out on your wisdom. So, Ruth, do you want to no, speak to that? Ahead. So, Ruth, the all of the workshops we're doing through the end of the year are all based in classroom management. Cause we see that as the biggest need. When we asked the Facebook group, what was your biggest need? It was like by and large was classroom management. There are other things in there. So the last time it was building relationships through the it's classroom management through the lens of building relationships. Like that is the focus this time it's student engagement. But I realized that when your classroom's falling apart, the last thing you want to do is be fun. It's, it's hard to do that. I'm not talking about, just that this is how are we going to use student like getting kids engaged not just getting kids like like they're pumped and they're standing on their desks and they're going nuts and this is the best educational experience of my life i want that how are we sorry and that's going to help us with classroom management and then the next one is systems policies and procedures because i'll tell you what it's late in the year when we're going to have that one in March. It's late in the year, but it's still like, I'm either thinking this out, what I did at this time of the year around spring break, either nailing it, some things down better now. So I I can survive the rest of my school year or how do I start practicing for next year? Right. And so, cause we all know the education is like Sisyphus is rock. You're rolling that rock to the top of the hill and then it rolls back down every year. You got to start from scratch. So, and then, um, and then there's another one at the end of it. And to be fair, well. East coast schools go all the way to mid June. So they have a decent yeah. amount of time left. Our kids um, went to like June, the 20th, 20th, 20th. That's a new word. <laughs> Invented here first on Sunday night teacher. Um, and just to let everybody know, I we rebuilt the sales page so you can sign up for any workshop that we're having individually, or you can sign up for all four of them, and you'll get whatever is we've already completed. You'll get all the playback for all of that stuff. Yes. So you can sign up. There's a link somewhere in the comments if you're interested. Cool. What you got, bud? All right, piano boy is up next. My man asking uh similar to your cereal parties i do dr pepper parties oh. celebrating lincoln's uh 215th birthday tomorrow besides the end of uh year 
besides end of your honors, spray painting items, gold and such, what other things you can tell that's an OG, right? Yeah, there. right. Uh, what other things and events can be celebrated besides birthdays? I so I think I talked about this in a recent video, but it's really for some kids, it's celebrating a lot. So when I first started teaching, uh, my son told me, Brody told me this was so lame the other day. Uh, <laughs> at a, when I, my first year teaching, I bought dollar store birthday cards and gave a pencil, a happy birthday pencil to every kid. And my son told me that that was so lame. Um, but when I explained to him that like many of my students, uh, and I, I never know who it's going to be, were really like just stopped in their tracks because they are 14 no one is saying happy birthday to them. Uh, some of them don't want anyone to know it's, that it's their birthday. None of the other teachers are acknowledging their birthday. And sometimes at home, they're not acknowledging their birthday. So just by virtue of giving them a card and a pencil with a nice note written in it, it was an acknowledgement. It was a, I see you, you matter, happy birthday to you. And so over the years, that has changed to mini cereal parties. So maybe it's your birthday and you get like, uh, one of those little boxes of cereal that they have like at the diner, or you can get them like in an eight pack or something like that at the food store with uh, a special bowl and a special spoon and a candle or a happy birthday sign or a happy birthday hat, just something silly that's a little bit over the top that kids might like. Sometimes it was a tiny gift, right? And I'm talking like dollar store at best, but it's all in how you wrap it. You can make a dollar store thing look pretty jamming if you wrap it. Um, it was... I had a kid one year that um, really loved cheesecake and we started calling him cheesecake for some reason. I don't even remember why, but for his birthday, we bought him a cheesecake and we got like a cheesecake sampler for the rest of the class. And that was a little bit more money, but that class needed that kind of like extra bit of love and attention to, and they ended up being a phenomenal class, like one of our favorites of the year, but they needed that. And that helped sort of, restructure that other times man it's walking around with things like confetti and sprinkling on kids papers i used to do it in their hair um i did once do glitter that's a horrible idea especially if your students have very curly hair uh it gets stuck in there so i had kids with like braids and this is this is me you know you don't know when you don't know you don't know and uh turns out glitter in your head bad idea don't do that one but confetti is large enough that it does it it's not a big deal uh i would get confetti poppers and stuff like that and celebrate kids with sometimes silly string. That's another one you got to be careful with. It stains the walls and stuff like that, but it's with the right kid. These are, these are things that all right student, right situation. I'm not going to just do it to anyone. I know that it's going to work and, and it's a no fail situation. It's just finding little wins for kids. I'd walk around with fake cash and give it to be like, so you did. You're doing a really good job, man. Here you go. Let me let me give you this. Or if I I give it to kids as tips if they helped me out, like I'd give them a tip uh, if they went and got my copies for me. Like, yo, here you go, bro. Get yourself something fake, nice. Um, just dumb stuff. Giving awards out, I would give out uh, like a gold medal. All just walking through Five Below or the dollar store or the thrift store. What would make a what would make a kid smile and feel seen? That's the question that you're answering. Great question, man. I also think, like, there's, like, a national holiday for everything. There is. Like, a donut day, this day. We celebrate a lot of silly holidays. Like, the history of, like, 
there's a history of how that thing was made or why it came about or whatever. It's like, if you can pull that and tie that into yeah. like, I just think like, look up national holidays. I always wanted to do like, because we did Groundhog's Day and we did Cinco de Mayo. But that was really just so we could eat tacos in class. <laughs> but um, it was like, fine. Like when's National French Friday? Like, could you have a class where you just ate French fries and did work? Right. Like as a as, as like who's going to win the national day this month, this month's national day is uh, French Friday on whatever the date is. And then you have classes competing against one another because, you know, competition moves kids, man. Um, and so does food. So those two yes. things in connection. We have, I, I'm going to say it again. These are the squeakiest chairs. I know. I never listen to our show back to see if anybody can hear them. Yeah. I wonder if you can hear them. Let us know if you can. Go ahead. <laughs> Gian is up next asking, how do you determine your groups for different assignments mm. in terms of giving kids some autonomy over who they work with, but also making sure everyone in the class can work with different people? I, I so typically the first so look, there's certain kids that are never allowed to pick their, their group, not until they prove that they can do it. Right. So, um, because you might have a group of kids that are all friends and then someone just inserts themselves and you see the other kids looking at you, like with that look of terror on their face of like, Mr. Reynolds, you have to do something. And, and so it's being mindful of that, right? There's some kids that are just trying to get in. Like there might be, and I saw this all the time. I taught co co-ed there'd be like a group of girls and like some dude that like just wanted to kick it the whole time with like insert. It's like, bro, get over here. We're not, no, this is not what's happening right now. Um, so it's be mindful of that, but by and large, my first time, cause I want kids to learn how to pick groups wisely. So my first time I let kids by and large, pick whatever the group they want, then they're going to learn real quick, whether or not like, Oh gosh, my, I like my friends, but my friends aren't good for doing work. Or these kids are like, there's too many um, type A's in here or too many like alphas or, or decision makers or creatives, or there's too many of everything of like one thing. And so they don't end up making decisions and it just falls to the wayside. So it's then the second time we do groups, because we do a lot of group work. It's talking to them about what can we learn from the first time? I want you to think about who was in your group. And it is just because someone caught your eye, just because someone was like, no, we're going to be in a group together. No, that doesn't equal we're being in a group together. So being thoughtful. If your friends all have 50s in class, it might be the most fun group, but it's going to be the most failing group also. So being thoughtful of that. And then as I see some students really need me, to move them around. So you might have a kid, there's always that kid that like doesn't want to pick a group, feels like an outcast or not sure what they're going to do. I will talk to a group ahead of time. You'll listen. So I'd always do this with like, had a couple of students like Ham um, and Ham, I could put anybody with. I'd be like, listen, no one's going to pick this dude. He's really struggling to make friends. He's not sure who he is and all these things. Can he be with you? Got you, Reynolds. No problem. Now, Ham feels empowered. He's looking out for somebody else. This kid gets to belong, doesn't feel like he's a burden in the group. And so you, you start orchestrating it too. The other thing is, beginning of the year, I just don't know everyone that well. After a few times, I start seeing like, listen, 
Tyler, I know you're going to, you're trying to be in that group right now, but let's talk. You know, you're going to do better with them. Like, why don't you just go over these guys? Here's why I can see that. Here's how your strengths are going to be played in this. And we have another project coming up. That's like this. I think this group would work really well for, but you know, like darn well, like your mom's going to be calling up here. You're going to need extra time and extra credit and all that stuff. And then I let Tyler make that decision, the informed decision. Um, and I always, if they're going to switch groups, I let them blame it on me. You're 14. You don't have to tell all your all your homies that like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going over here because it's a better choice. It's like, just be like, no, Reynolds wants me to go over here. He talked to me about something. He wants me to handle something over here. I'm fine with that. Like, blame it on me. But that's a little bit of how I help kids. Like, I make decisions for them. I help them make informed decisions. And I let them make their own mistakes as well. All right, Linda is up next. Awesome. Asking, I'm a traveling teacher. I do not have my own classroom. I have a cart, but the lack of a permanent classroom and desk space is starting to get to me. I'm homeless and it's unsettling advice. So I think every room, Linda, has got to have some room for you. So are there things you use in every class or that you use in a certain class every day that you can keep in there? Um, when I was a kid, I don't, I feel like someone might know this book. I, I don't know if it's a book or a story. I remember reading this book when I was a kid in school where this family lived, I think they lived in New York City. They had a lot of children. And so this one child wanted a space of their own, but clearly couldn't have their own bedroom. They shared it with like four people. So they were given a corner. And the kid went out and got like a, a like a milk crate and put it in the corner and then like drew a picture and put it up on the wall, then got himself a goldfish and put it on the crate and like hooked up this little corner that he had. And I don't know why that, that was so deeply impactful to me as a little kid, even as a grown up, I still think back to that because I only have, I mean, our, the studio that we're in now is, is a, is an extra bedroom that we had. We could have done a lot of other things with it, but it is packed filled with stuff and shooting locations and stuff that we're still building out and all kinds of things. Right. And it is, so is there a corner you could have? Is there a box you could put in there? Like a, like a big toolbox or a treasure chest or that like when you opened it up, it had things on top of the lid that like were like folders and pockets and, and supplies. And inside there were boxes with all of your different things in them. Um, I mean, I'd hook it up so that like some motion lights went on. So that when you pop that thing open, like, bam, some lights came on and stuff or music started or bubbles came out of it. Um, it is, is there a shelf? Is there a cabinet? Is there something, is there a spot you could have? And then asking the school to purchase something. I, I love thrift stores and antique stores and junk shops, but you could also go to Amazon has really cheap uh, storage options. Ikea has, if especially if you have one near you, I know if you don't live near an Ikea, their shipping is ridiculous. Um, Harbor Freight has really good storage options. Could you bring in a lockable toolbox with all different kinds of drawers that you could have all of your things in? And then it's giving you a, a little spot. And the good thing about those is if you get switched to another classroom next year, you just throw that thing on a dolly. You take your treasure with you and, and your treasure box with you and go to the next room. And that is a little bit better. I feel like um, even if you could have like one on, if you had one on each floor or one in each wing of the school, however it's low, like laid out, but um, 
if someone ever shared space in my classroom, I always made sure that they had some spot to keep their stuff in my room so they didn't have to feel like they were bringing everything all the time too. I think that's crazy that you have no designated area to like. It happens a lot. I've in, in Like I get like school. you can't get your own room and you have to like travel to different rooms, but that they don't carve out some sort of space like in a room, no. in an office, in somewhere to say like, this is Mrs. So-and-so's space. So maybe in like, an office, but here's the thing. You're leaving class. You're collecting work. Students are leaving. So you're the last one out the door with your cart, right? So you're carting it to the next class. Then you get there. Then you have to get started. If you have a treasure box. So what I would do is have one of my top tier yeah. homies go in the box. They'd, they'd have a key. They'd be able to start handing things out. They'd be able to start getting people situated before I even got there. Oh, like one of your students. Yeah. Like if yeah, like yeah. a like Joe a or a Kyle yeah. or a cheesecake or something like that, where they are like helping me do some of that stuff because otherwise you're on your cart, you get there late, kids are coming out of the other class, you're getting into that class, you're trying to set up. So yeah, there's no exhausting. shaking hands at the door. There's no saying hello to everyone. It's it's really problematic. So mm -hmm. having a, a spot is crucial. I mean, in old videos I showed, I forget what this video was called, but like I showed um, when I had a closet I didn't, I, my classroom is so small. I couldn't even fit like regular bookshelves in there or a I teacher remember desk. coming into there because I thought like, I remember you coming home and saying like, it's so small. I can't fit a desk in there anywhere. And I was like, yeah, that's not your specialty. Like, let me come in and like, see, you, there's gotta be somewhere that you can yeah. put a desk in there. There really wasn't. No. It was so tiny to take up a corner of the room, like took up a pretty large portion yeah. of it. But there was this weird closet in there. I unloaded everything that was in there secretly when no one was at school, put it in the basement of the school and then just outfitted it as an office. Like I was Ryan from the office. It was, hilarious. Um, it was awesome. Good luck finding it in 700 yeah. videos though <laughs> at this point. 702. Uh, I think this oh. today's is 702. Awesome. Not that I'm counting right. <laughs> John is up next asking, what's your view? You mean Johnny Fox? <laughs> what's your view on balancing, planning, for the future versus living in the present moment. Do you feel yeah. like you spend the majority of your time or of the time focused on one or the other? What's your take? I do both. I don't let the future, I don't let what I already have planned take over what's happening right now though. So, so in school, um, it's having a loose feel of like, all right, here's the books that we're going to read. Here's comprehension questions aren't going to change. The vocab is not going to change. The literary terms aren't going to change. Um, that kind of stuff. I can have the, like how long a unit is going to take. So typically a unit is five weeks, sometimes six in my class. Then there's a week of review and then there's an assessment after that. Right. So it's probably seven weeks in total tops. I had that all mapped out um, because I don't want to I can't stand stopping mid book and going on any kind of break because no one remembers anything. Everyone knows like your kids can't even remember their locker combination after a three day weekend. So it's building, having that stuff build out what I, and then having a number of projects in my toolbox, but I don't assign those yet because I have to get to know who my students are, how my classes roll, how big they are. Sometimes I've had, I was talking to this kid the other day, uh, we called him good burger and because he looked like Keenan when he was in Good Burger. Um, Good Burger's class was 32 students. And it was a co-taught class. And it was 
a lot. This is when like Uncle Barry was in the class and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It was huge, man. And they were difficult in the beginning of the year. Ended up being one of my, I was DMing with them the other day. One of my favorite classes of all time. Like just the freaking best, man. And I did stuff with those students that I didn't do with my other students. So like when we read plays, when we read Of Mice and Men, no kidding. Kids cried at the end of it. And because I had a kid that read like Lenny, that yelled like Lenny, that, um, or, or, uh, not Lenny, the other guy whose name I'm forgetting. So the, and then the other student was like, they just, everyone embodied the character so well. And like the sound effects were great. And the music was, oh man, it was so good, dude. And so that, that activity I couldn't do with every class. So those pieces I'm a little looser with. Same thing in my life. I have plans. I've made a list in the beginning of January, another one in the beginning of February of what would make this month great. Like what would, at the end of the month, I would look back and if I did all these things, it's great. Some of them I ended up not doing. Some of them I got to the middle of the month. I saw something else I really need to be working on or or, or spending more time with or, or whatever. And I shifted. And so it was, it's really having a, having goals, but I am not locked into my goals ever. Because you don't know what life's going to bring. You don't know what student's going to show up. You don't know what what moment in the world is going to happen. Then I'm going to have I'm going to have to pivot for the day, and we're going to have to talk about this, and we're going to have to address this in class. Or this connects so well to what we're doing. So we were going to do this, but because this popped off at the Oscars, or this happened on the MTV Music Awards, or the Super Bowl, this commercial. Oh man, I got I watched the commercials and immediately be thinking like, how am I using this in class? Because this is what kids are talking about tomorrow. So it's those kinds of things of being, having the discipline and, and having things clear, but then not being afraid to pivot and, and be um, like water, like uh, Bruce Lee said. Being fluid. Yes. Um, yeah. I feel like you are good at setting like timers for things. You're like, I'm going to plan for this yeah. and then go and live in the moment of life. Like, you're good at that. And they're because give myself chunks. But there's also you operate in this idea, and this is hard for me because I'm a perfectionist. So I like it to be perfect when I plan something and I will work on it consistently. Like I will let life go <laughs> to get it perfect. And there's a balance for me to learn. Like, no, there's no such thing as like perfect. Even when you get it perfect, you still see things and tweaks that you can make in things. And so <clears throat> I think it's that you're very yeah. good at balancing that of like, nope, I'm going to work on it and work on it diligently, but know that it's like never going to really be perfect. On the flip side, your ability to wake up at, to, I mean, after prayer and stuff like that. So if it's six 30 or even if it's when the kids go, like if I take the kids to school and it's seven 30 mm -hmm. in the morning, you're still doing that till seven 30 at night is remarkable. Like, it's like, that's healthy, have you, but... <laughs> have you peed? Like, <laughs> yeah when i can sit down and really do it i yeah. love to like yeah. get into it that's not that's another conversation uh okay um james is up next asking how do you handle it when students refuse to move uh i you know i let me tell you what i used to do first i, I used to just get mad and think this was something against me and most of the time it's not Sometimes it is. Sometimes you you actually aggravated someone and now they're they're pissed at you and, and they 
want to take it out on you. It's like, so they're just looking for like, it wouldn't matter what it'd be like, eat this lollipop. And they'd be like, no, not eating that lollipop. They just want to do anything that's going to irk you. But I find that a lot of times it's because you now you told them what to do in front of their friends or in front of people that they care what those people think uh, that you put them on blast in front of the class, that it was unfair. And so I like to, so if I, even if that is, even if I'm, even if I didn't handle it well, if I'm aggravated, right? Because a kid kept talking and I'm like, you know what? Get up. You're moving over here. Go sit over there. And they go, no, I'm not doing it. I wasn't the only one doing it. I, I didn't, I didn't even do anything. What are you yelling at me? For? What are you even telling me? To do? I'm not moving anywhere. This is my seat. It is calming myself and going over and realizing that the number one thing I never want to have in my classroom is a power struggle. It's just, it always sucks. It never wins. And even if I, if I, I'm going to use air quotes, even though I don't like them, even if I win, I, it is like, what did I just do? I won against a 14 year old made to move a seat. Like how, what am I the man now? So it's checking my ego and it's, it's really being clear about what is important. Why am I doing this? Then I sit down, Aaron, first of all, I shouldn't yell. Even if that kid a hundred percent deserved to be yelled at, right? I always apologize because I know that I, that's not who I want to be. Aaron, first of all, I want to apologize for yelling. Shouldn't do that. And I'll even tell kids, I think that you absolutely deserve to be yelled at in that moment, but I shouldn't do it because I'm trying to be better than that. The other thing is I'm noticing that you're over here and you're not. Think about how little time this takes. It feels like it's taking a lot of time right now, but think about if you just go straight through, this does not take a lot of time. I've asked you to get to work three different times. You don't have any answers on your paper. And listen, I want you to do well. I want you to do the best you possibly can now and in your life. So when I'm asking you to move, I'm asking you to move because I'm seeing that you're distracted and I think you might do better over there. So move over there, do the work. When you're finished, if, if these students are finished also, I don't mind if you move back and you can be with them. But right now I'm moving. I need you to move for success. If you're refusing to move, then that's different. But I don't want to ha even have that conversation unless that's the case. Are you refusing to move? Let the student answer. If they say yes, you call someone else in to come and get that student or you send them out of the class. But I would call, have someone come grab them um, and so they can have a conversation and figure that out and all that stuff. And then you follow up with that. That's the conversation. I, I literally just had a video about, about doing that sort of thing, kicking kids out of class. But it's recalibrating and then it's it's going at it in a different way. It's not the like, did you, what do you mean you're not getting up? Like, just you got to bring it down because when we're at that height, it's just fight or flight for kids. There's no, they are not rationally thinking anymore, right? Because they know if they were calm, if their parents were there and you said like, if a teacher asks you to move, what you should you do? Oh, you should move. But when we're not in rational thinking and when my street cred or my reputations on the line and that's what matters to me more than your algebra class it's a wrap bro i know where i know where where my focus is so that's how i would do it is just switching it in that little way all right so he's next up on the docket kind of a follow-up to that yeah. asking okay what if they want to get kicked out of class so i think that that you know again depending on the class you can either have the conversation there or have the conversation on the, on the back end. 
But if they want to get kicked out of class, um, it is, I give zero. If you get kicked out of class, you don't get to make up that work. It's a rat. Like, so you just forfeited the work and now you have the zero in there. And I put a zero in there and I put a, a comment saying like student was removed from class because of what, like I tell, I tell what happened. I put, would put this in power school and I'll tell you what, my school didn't want me to do this. They used to get aggravated that I did this, but I didn't care because to me it was clear communication and a reminder to parents. It wasn't to put a kid on blast or embarrass them or shame them. It was so there was like, we could remember like, if a kid shows up later in the in the quarter and says, oh, can I make this assignment? I had a zero on it. You didn't miss that. You refused to do it. You cannot ever make up refused assignments because I want you to learn from that, right? It's not about me being right or, or, or me getting my way or me getting back at you. It's just about like, there's this is, um, I want you to learn from this. If you get removed, now there's going to be a follow-up. And in my kick the out of class video, I walk through this whole process of how you should handle that. Get someone that you trust. Student cannot come back during the class unless they are 100% recalibrated and ready to enter back in the class. So I don't want someone that's that's more pissed off coming back into my class. It's following up with parents. It's following up with the students. following up with the person that you sent them out with. It's having a conversation with them so that the next time they come to class, things are cool cannot have you coming back in where you're still feeling anger, resentment, frustration, none of that. Cause it's, uh, it's just going to lead to more poor behavior. We need to handle it so that we know we're on the same page. So we know we're at the, going for the same goal, which is to have you win in school and beyond. That's where I'm going with it. So that's how I would handle it. Okay. Uh, our next question uh, is saying, sorry, if you've already uh, address this. I will address I'm, anything again. Hit I'm it. new to this channel. Do you think that you'll ever get back into teaching in the classroom? So, you know, I get asked this a lot. I also get, cause I talk like, I talk like sometimes in videos that I'm still, it sounds like I'm still in the classroom. It just flows better. And to be honest, sometimes I am so used to talking like that. I just kind of forget. And then halfway through the video, I realize what I'm doing and I'm like, well, I'm not going to change it now. Cause then it sounds like I, I'm all over the place. At this moment, I do not feel a call in the least to that. Um, and the backstory of that a little bit is, uh, it's so since you asked the question again, I'll answer the question again. Um, I didn't leave school because it got too bad. I left my school because it got too bad. My school was doing illegal stuff, out-of-pocket stuff, things I don't talk about on the internet. But if you met me for a coffee or a beer one day, I would tell you. Uh, but I, I'm not going to put someone on blast on the internet. That school got horrific and was not the school that I that you'd seen in all those previous videos. We had six principals in six years. And uh year before I left, about 80% staff turnover. The year I left, I think it was like 90, 95% staff turnover left with me. Um, not I was not the leader of that, but like at the same time as me. Um, I would have absolutely gone to another school, but I was spending so much time doing this work and in school helping teachers that I didn't even have the time to put into my class. And I saw that when I was helping people, they were actually seeing results. They were actually having better lives, not just better classrooms, but they were having those too, but better lives because of it. Because when you go home and you have kids and you don't feel like, and you're not destroyed at the end of the day, life's better. You can love your spouse better. You can love your kids better. You're nicer to your dog. And so 
to me, the calling I feel in my life. And look, I'm someone as a believer. I've since I was in my early 20s, tried to follow Jesus with reckless abandon, right? Doing things that I felt like my whole family would go, what? Like you're moving to Africa, you're living in a monastery, you're living in an intentional community, all these things, trying to go where I felt called to go. And this is those one of those moments that I'm trying to do. So, uh, and it feels like every step of the way has felt like that we are making the right decision um, right now with regards to that. So with that, um, I don't plan on doing it. And I don't, and I get asked about teaching college a lot too. So I just to, to say to that, um, I don't, I get to right now, I get to do what I want. I'm setting up workshops every month and I'm teaching what I, when I'm hearing people talk about and needs to be taught instead of, uh, I'm just teaching this because it's the curriculum that I was given. I don't, it's like, this has, I have ultimate, ultimate freedom in this. And so, yeah. Ultimate control. Ultimate power. Um, okay. Taylor's up next asking, I have a student who is completely unmotivated because his parents told him he'll be homeschooled next year. It's causing a lot of behavior concerns that didn't happen before. Any advice? Um, That's a tough one. It is. But I mean, it's no different than a student that is told they're going to a different school next year or that they're moving next year, that their parents are breaking up or that their parents got separated or uh, that they're going to go live with their dad instead of their mom. There's, there's, so the thing here, Taylor, before I tell you my answer is knowing that this is a good one to learn from because it, there's so many different varieties of, of this sort of issue that you're going to run into uh, going forward. And some of them are even worse. So a kid that ends up in foster care in the middle of the school year, that can be extremely traumatizing and very, very deal, difficult to deal with. So I think it's helping kids to understand that acting up in school doesn't do anything to one, better their case or two, better their time. You know, sitting down with them and saying like, talking to them about maybe what, what is making you so upset about being homeschooled next year? What might be good for homeschool next year? What is the reason your parents are having you homeschool next year? And seeing if they can even communicate some of those things. And then realizing that, like, I love having conversations with students, even kids that are going to, like, you'll see this behavior really rise up, too, if a kid is going to a situation they don't really want to go to in two weeks. Like, we're moving to Atlanta from Philadelphia in two weeks. A lot of times that can be met with a lot of behavior if I don't care. And not only do I not care and I'm not doing work, I'm just doing nothing and going to just raise hell for two weeks. It's reminding kids like, I'm so glad that we got this time together though. I'm always here if you need me. Right. Like, and for years I was in the same classroom. So kids would literally come back that left to my same classroom in room 106 and come and visit me. And the, it is reminding them, I want, can we make this the best? I don't, you can still be mad at your parents. You can still be mad at the situation. You can still be mad that you have to get homeschooled, but how can we make this the best, right? Cause there's going to be some of this you're going to miss next year. What, what could we do that you like, maybe you love group work. Maybe you love projects. Maybe you love whatever it is. Can we incorporate some of that? What are some things that you won't have as part of homeschool next year that you will have being in our school that we could do a little bit more of this year? Um, and really kind of trying to figure out a way that we can frame this where 
this doesn't last forever, but nothing does. So how are we going to start practicing living in the moment, enjoying what we the time that we have left and getting excited about that? Some of those things really help students because it helps them to realize that, yeah, I don't want to just burn this bridge down and then like or make this horrible. Uh, that helps if they keep up the behavior and what you're doing, that tactic doesn't work. And that could be for any number of reasons. It's really getting help from your community, from your administration, from home and being like, listen, as much as a student means to me, as important as they are, I have 30 other kids in the class. So I can't just put all the time and attention into this student who's burning down in front of us instead of like really focusing on the rest of my students as well. Yeah, this is a third grade student. And I don't think that I, I don't have any, I think that the student is probably behaving poorly because they think that they can get away with things. Cause it's just like, well, I'm gonna be homeschooled next year anyway. It and doesn't then just matter. hold that down and don't let it happen, but you cannot. But if, if especially the, third grade is so hard, they're so young at that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Parent-wise, like, as of, I always think, like, I don't know, I'm a logical thinker, and I think, like, well, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're going to go or what's going to happen. This is the type of behavior that you should have in every scenario yeah. and situation. So I think it's meeting them in that. It's like, nope, whether you're home or you're in school, like, there's certain just human guidelines and behavior that we're expected to have um, and should have. And so I would try and, like, talk and reason on that level. I think that comes after helping kids process their feelings. So why are you yes, acting out sure. like this? You're acting out like this because you're feeling some type of way. What's that way you're you're starting to feel? Can we help you with that at all? And I'm not a therapist or anything, but it's like, can it's we basic. help you process your feelings and let you know that you're cared for and that we, we are actually, we are sorry that you're leaving. Um, but also you're not going to ruin it for everyone else. Either. Yeah. So you can, you can think that that's what's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to shut it down. Yeah, um, and then working with your your team to help that child. All right, next question. How to respond to students who hate English and always put their heads down? So this is honestly, um, oh, look, we're in two places. No, we don't need that. Need special effects now, girl. <laughs> that camera, sorry. <laughs> That's how you do it. Un you didn't know where it was coming from. You just, it just popped up in double vision. <laughs> so, Damon, I think... The, there's a there's a lot you could do here. And we actually have, um, I'm going to talk about this for sure, but it's, and I'm going to give you one of my, like, man, something that really hit me lately when I was thinking about this. Uh, we have a workshop coming up that is classroom management through the lens of student engagement. So it's really like trying to help kids, all students, but, and then I'm going to focus for a chunk on kids that like so it's like creating engagement through um through captivating lessons but how that but captivating isn't just room transformations it's not just super fun all the time captivating for some students is kids that don't care how do i get you to care and so we have a work that workshop's coming up the link is in the description somewhere um and it's only 39 bucks to, to like it's the bargain basement price for that one um so my idea is, in short form, parts of this is, can you teach through a, le a lens that kids care about? So what are your students interested in? Not what are you interested in? And another mistake teachers make is, 
they'll hear a student say something and they go, oh, I like that too. I'm going to teach through that. And that doesn't always work. It is what are your students interested in becoming a student of your students? Like, so learning more about what they are interested in and then moving forward. Um, the other thing is, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in depth in the workshop. It's having a why for everything you do, right? So sometimes it's the carrot on the stick in front of the student, right? Helping them build a vision for what they want in the future. We talked about this in the last workshop. We're like, Helping them have the clear roadmap from this is what I want to do. Here's where I am. How is what I'm doing in English class going to get me there? And there's all, it's knowing a why for everything. Why do we have to memorize Shakespeare? Why do we have to read this book? Why do I have to read by myself? Why do I have to read as part of a group? Why are we reading all together? Why are we reading this as a play? Why do I have to answer these questions? Why do I have to learn how to annotate? Why do I have to learn how to speak? Why do I have to write? Why do I have to use capital letters? Why do I have to use punctuation? No, you have to know the why for all the things. But even that's not enough, because what turns out is that some of us are motivated by the future, by the promise, by the goal, by the that the it's the you see it and you're going for it. Other people are motivated by what's behind them. So the question you ask students is sometimes, what do you want? The question you ask other students sometimes is, what do you no longer want? I don't want poverty. I don't want my mom to have to work three jobs. I don't want to live in a dangerous neighborhood. I don't want to live a life where I'm beholden to my parents and, and everything that they want for me. And, and uh, so it is what kind of life do kids want to build because they don't like what's behind them? Because some people, the carrot on the stick, the, the gold at the end of the rainbow is the motivator. Other kids, it's the crazy bear that's chasing them is the motivator. So you have to figure out your students and what their motivator is, and then try to make the connection between that motivator and my content that I'm teaching. And that is, that's the beginning of it. And then teaching through the lens of what they're interested in helps them like find interest in the day to day. Good answer. Thanks. I always say that I, when I'm not really paying attention. <laughs> oh, I always thought you said that when you know no, you I, liked my answer. I mean, sometimes I actually do. Oh, sorry. I was just busy doing stuff. I apparently had the wrong link in there. So it's it's the right one now. Um good job. PK and I'm not just saying that. <laughs> PK is asking any advice on student getting cyberbullied, Snapchat and Insta oh, by peers after school. Principal said it's out of our jurisdiction. I can't figure out what we could do That's about such it. Such a lame oh. answer. And it I is just... not because because in a world where like students in Philadelphia, if you get in a fight between the time you leave school or the time and the time you the, the rule is. You step on your front doorstep. Anytime in there, you can get suspended for it. But we don't have kids that get in trouble for Instagram and, and, and like for cyberbullying and stuff like that. Um, to me, then, it's let's take matters in our own hands. Let's figure out a way that we can help support this kid that is getting bullied, right? How are we going to love on them so much that they're that they're still going through it? But you all know, like, you know that when you're going through something and you feel like you're alone, it's worse than when you know people have your back. And so that to me is, I, I had a, I, someone I worked with something 
crazy came out about them on the internet and they were crushed. I thought I like, I'd never see them again. Right. And when they showed up to school, it, I mean, it was wild, but their friends let them know that we've got, we will, we will, if we hear kids talking about it, shut it down. If you are feeling overwhelmed, step out of class. If I'm going out for coffee, I'm bringing an extra one back and a donut. We're going to just love on you so hard that you're going to feel like there's this cocoon of, of, of comfort and of care and of awesome around you that um, things are going to come in, but you're not in it alone. And then it's addressing students that are doing those sorts of things and not just with like threats. It's can we talk about why this is so out of pocket? So I, I had a student years ago, man, and I guess I could talk about this because it's not like it's no one I have now. And they're all grown ups now. Um, a student, uh, someone took a picture of them in the bathroom, right? Like a little exposing situation, right? And um, airdropped it to everybody in the school. And what those kids didn't know that took that picture was that someone really important to that student um, had died the day before. So the kid was kind of like going to the bathroom, this is the story, and was kind of like in a daze. So the kids thought it was funny, so they took a picture of him. And what they didn't know was that like this prominent figure in their life had died the night before. The kid felt safer, felt better coming to school than staying home. And so, because sitting at home is just sitting in all your own hurt. So showing up to school where they're loved, and then you took that moment and you didn't know, but you, you, you ruined it for them. You ruined, you made their whole life so much harder because once it's on the internet, it's never gone. And it was sitting down with those students and, or at least a group of students I knew, I don't know exactly who did it, but I know y'all were, might've been involved and, and walking them through that, learning, teaching them empathy, not just threatening them. I mean, there's a little bit maybe threatening in there too, but like, it was, do you realize what you're doing? When you could have seen that kid, snapped him out of it and been like, are you good? Do you need something? Why don't you, come here, come eat lunch with us today. Why You could have felt that same amount of like, of attention, of power, right? That you got, you took that power, you had the power and now you ruined someone's day. Don't you know that that same power you can feel good about because you can love someone, you can care for someone. You can take someone out of that moment and let them know that, bro, we know you're going through something. We got you. Come eat lunch with us. Come, you know, come over to my house after school. Let's, uh, let me walk home with you. Let me ride the bus with you. Whatever it is, it is walking through those moments with those students as well so that we are working on both sides of the problem so that this doesn't happen again. And then we're building a culture of care in our school. Um, that's, I think, how you roll. That is so unfortunate that some schools just don't, they just go, oh, it's not my issue and leave it like that. Cause it's like, haven't we learned enough now that like when you do that, even though technically it's not your issue yeah. and it's not on school time, you just leave it and it gets undealt with yeah. and they're not telling their parents, but it festers. No. It's like, then we have mental health issues that potentially develop or school shootings that like happen. Yep. It's like, it develops just, just because you ignore it. Oh, what is the uh, quote that we heard Myron say that we loved like ignoring a problem? What's entropy? Oh, the law of entropy, anything yeah. left to itself, anything left basically like undealt with, it just gets worse and worse over time. And here's Faster. the problem. 
it's harder. You to all know that like if you work out all the time, it's slow losing weight. It's slow building muscle. You get off the wagon for a couple of weeks and, and go full Oreo mode. Yes. <laughs> you gain weight faster and lose muscle fast. So, as soon so as it's, you ignore a problem. Success is hard, but falling out of success is super quick, right? So it and to be honest, th that's one of those moments where if that was my school, I'd find those, I'd find other teachers and I'd push back against administration and be like, we have to do maybe we can't suspend a kid for this, but that's not what it's about. How are yeah. we? focusing on building a culture where our students don't do this. Where how are we building a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family type feel? So teaching at all boys school, it was incredibly important to us that at least by 10th grade, there was such a strong feeling of brotherhood that that surpassed 12th grade. It was like kids still felt, if you found out that someone went to my school, they and even if you didn't know them, that was someone you looked out for. These were like homies for life. So it's building that culture is important. So Dress to Read said, that doesn't sound right. Uh, our district has a Speak Up app where kids can report situations just like this. And our district awesome. takes these things so seriously, which congratulations to your school for doing that. But maybe you can even bring a solution to your school. Like you're always saying, like yes. bring a solution. Bringing a problem doesn't really get you anything all the time. It's But like if you can get that app for your school and have your school start to use it so the kids have a way to report those things. Thing. So it's holding people accountable and you can do it through that means. Uh, maybe that can help too, or kind of like doing a little bit of digging online to see what other kind of things that are out there that schools can use to support that. That is, I just feel that's the dark side of those are things, things that these are that's why my kid doesn't have Snapchat, to be honest. <laughs> I, that one's terrible, but it's, it is. These are moments that crush kids for the rest of their lives. Oh, this is stuff when you're a grown up, you're yep. talking to your therapist about, about, you know, when I was 12. It's serious. Um, so, yeah. But with that, real quick, before we, can I say something or you have another question? Or I mean, there's go? tons of other questions, but we're an out of hours. So. Um, so, one, we're doing a workshop. It's February 29th. You can find the link in the description below or if you're going to drop it in there right, right quick, then it. you can it's do it. Go ahead and sign up for that. If you do not have money to afford this, I've been there, right? We try to price it as low as we could. It's $39. If you cannot afford it, just email us and I will give it to you for free. I do not want your success this year to be tied to like, you just don't have it right now, right? I've been there. I know what it's like. So that's one thing. Um, but if you can make it, please make it. If you know someone that needs it, gift it to them let them know about it, let them bring them along, right? Because we're trying to help as many teachers as we can so we can help as many students as we can um, have great classrooms and live great lives. The other thing is, y'all, the Super Bowl's on tonight. Even if you don't like football, it is what most of your students are doing this evening. Be mindful of that. Watch the commercials. See if there's a way you can tie it into your class tomorrow. Vote on your favorite commercial. Do something with it tomorrow because um, it's, it's taking these moments in society sometimes that are so huge and instead of instead of going against the flow of of interest tomorrow go with the flow of interest and and uh, you you will win for it uh even when i didn't like football i still talked about it the next day watch 15 minutes 
watch the, the commercials are on YouTube as soon as it's freaking I was going to say, because anyway. someone actually said that they said, like, they couldn't watch the Super Bowl because of streaming. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's a thing now. And I get it. Yeah. Uh, I think there was one game or there's a lot of Eagle games this year that oh, we couldn't, couldn't even watch because we couldn't, we didn't have the yeah. channel. So, but that's a great tip because most people are talking about who won and then what the commercials yep. were it's like go watch them afterwards highlights on so like YouTube. the highlights of like the year that the that philly won and kevin hart got on stage drunk after it i needed to know about this it happened in my city with a philly native right i needed to be able to speak to it so it's like look up the highlights on youtube watch the commercials real quick you're golden and it's just if it's if that suits you right um and that's it anything else no nope. please like this Please subscribe. Please send it to someone else. Do all the YouTube stuff. It helps it get to more people. Um, and that's it, gang. I hope that you have like the best week ever. And uh, anything else? Nope. Have a good week. Oh, man, I'm not so smooth today. Well, it's also, it also doesn't help that you reach over and do it. I did. Oh, yeah, I guys would do this weird arm thing. That's it, gang. We'll see you next week. Peace. back on there.